I don't care who's first or who last, but I know that y'all just better rock this at the drop of a dime, baby. This is a Joe Run Welcome to the Football Cypher here on the Football Game Plan Podcast Network. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook. And you can follow me on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. I'm joined with my fellow analysts, Chris James, Gene Clemens, Teron Davenport, and Brandon Howard. You can follow Chris on Twitter at CJFlorida9, Gene at Gene Clemens, Teron at T Davenport underscore NFL, and Brandon at B Howard underscore 81. Make sure to subscribe to the Football Game Plan Podcast on iTunes. And leave us a five-star rating. Show us that you appreciate the analysis that we're giving you on this podcast. That's where you'll find all of our many different shows. You can also find them archived on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast. And finally, don't forget to check out and subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network on YouTube, located at youtube.com slash footballgameplan. And if you're not familiar to what a rap cipher is, it's a crowd that forms and freestyles as they pass the mic around but there won't be any rapping going on here it'll be exactly the same we'll pass the mic around and keep the football takes flowing so and we're going to kick off our nfl team previews in the cypher and in this episode we're going to take a look at the detroit lions and some of our biggest questions heading into the 2017 season chris why don't you go ahead on and kick this one off you know the detroit lions lost one of their greats and calvin johnson entering the 2016 season yet they still were able to almost pull off a division title going down to the last regular season game of last year and ended up getting the wild card. So as we enter 2017, you have to ask yourself with, with some good draft picks, can the lions compete with the Packers for the division title again? Well, I mean, they can because they do have a lot of pieces. Again, I've grown to like what I've seen from Matt Stafford. And last year was the year that he sold me on, what they can do as a football team. I I just like the way he competes. I thought he showed a lot of toughness and a lot of um, willingness to make plays in situational football. I thought he did great. So I like what they have at quarterback. I think their offensive line is very underrated. If Amir Abdullah stays healthy, he has the best agility since Barry Sanders as far as making someone look legit stupid in the open field. So I think they have a lot of pieces on offense defensively. I think their secondary is – it's probably further along than everywhere else on their roster, so we'll see. So if if you can if you're going to compete against Green Bay, you have to be able to cover. I think they can cover, so I think that's the where that's where Detroit can give a team like Green Bay problems because they can throw the football and they can match up on the back end. Everywhere else is where you can find some concern with, with their football team. But I do think they can be that team that can compete in this division. I agree. I think they can compete. Um, they competed last year. I don't think they, they got worse in the offseason. I think they – I'm inclined to believe that they got better. Um, unfortunately, Green Bay got better as well. And so it's going to be a fight to try to usurp them as, 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 as division champions. But I will say this. Nobody invests in a tight end that they're never going to use like Detroit invests in a tight end that they're never going to use – they, they currently have 37 tight ends on the roster. I'm pretty sure all of them were drafted with, like, a first, second, or third-round pick. 
Um, they're, they're all physical specimens. They all have an opportunity to be great tight ends. None of them get used like they're supposed to get used. It is the most con- con- confound. I just don't understand it. I don't get it. Um, I don't understand why they don't use them more, um, a la um, Baltimore. You know, um, even to a certain extent, what, what New England used to do back in the past when they had tight ends um, galore. So I think that if they find a way to really exploit that ma- those matchup nightmares that they have in these tight ends, they could really do some do some damage. Um, but it's going to be hard to it's going to be hard to supplant Green Bay, but they definitely have a shot. I'm going to tell you, it's pretty interesting looking this up. In the last two years, the Lions have, uh, have won one of the four matchups that they've had against the Packers. But you, you look at the games, it's always been close. And I think the Lions with Matt Stafford and Marvin Jones and the crew, I, I think they are a team that is, is built to have that shootout with them. Defensively, the development of, of Darius Slay is definitely coming along. You know, they got a guy that I liked last year in, in uh, Miles Killebrew. So I, I like what they have on defense also. I think they could definitely compete, but it's just the Packers with the running backs that they added and, and just a, another year of Aaron Rodgers with these receivers, uh, Jordy Nelson and, and, and Devontae Adams, you know, Geronimo Allison, when he comes back from his suspension, I, I think they have just too much. So I, I'll say they could compete, but they're not going to come out on top against the Packers. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, they'll definitely comp- compete, and uh, they they may you know still a game uh, as far as one of the two matchups are concerned. Um, they're the Lions just remind me of that team that's just always solid. They're a solid team right now. The defense is you know they've got some talent there on the defensive side of the ball, and on offense they spread the ball around so well. Now that Calvin Johnson is gone, you know you you don't replace Calvin Johnson, but there's also kind of a little bit more mystery there because now you don't know exactly where the ball is going all the time. So um, I, I think that, you know, the Lions are, are a solid team. They'll compete and they'll, they'll be very competitive, but they won't be the team to kind of, you know, I guess beat the Green Bay Packers. Not this year. Uh, they, there's just not enough talent there on that roster yet. You know, and I, I like what Matt Stafford was able to do last year. Uh, with uh, Jim Bob Cooter really proving that he no longer needed a safety blanket anymore uh, in Calvin Johnson. This offense, in my opinion, would be better suited to utilize Eric Abron more as a receiver type like they did with Jimmy Graham in New Orleans than they have been with him. And yes, if you have some consistency in the backfield and Amir Abdullah stays healthy, they may be able to do some things. On the defensive side, I think is where they really made some strides to try to basically keep up with the Packers. They got athletic uh, an athletic linebacker and a uh, reuse maven in the draft uh, going and getting a guy who's a true signal caller and true uh, linebacker and Jared Davis and some great pickups in the secondary. My number one corner and Jalen Tabor, Tez Tabor and uh, Jamal Agnew. So I like what they did. The unfortunate portion for them is that the gap widened a little bit more in my opinion from last season to this season. I think that they're going to be more competitive in particular games or very competitive again without the the tables turning in positive ways. They won some games last year that we all know could go and swing the other way. The overtime game against Minnesota, I think they beat Philadelphia because Carson Wentz decided to be uber average. That, so, that was that was Aguilar's fault. 
if he actually does. <laughs> 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 on the right tackle, right? <laughs> so those those types of games that helped them get the ten wins or whatever last season will likely go against them this year, even though I think they'll be competitive in virtually every match that they have. Well, Chris mentioned some some key players uh, that they're bringing into the fold, and I felt like my old college linebacker coach, every time the Lions drafted somebody, I was like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Like they, I felt as though they knocked it out the park in the draft. And so my question, when you're looking at the Lions, uh, which rookie do you feel as though will make the biggest impact this season for Detroit. It's gonna it's gonna sound crazy because I just bagged on them about it, but um I think Roberts um out of Toledo has an opportunity to really like be a a a, a still in the draft. And I know that they have a million tight ends and 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 I know I, I tend to skew tight end when it comes to analysis on football, but I, I just think that the position is so hard to guard and he has a he has a skill set that is sought after in the NFL today, and that is the ability to to go up and and make 50-50 balls, 75-25 balls. Um, he he he's big, he's athletic, he's strong, and and if he had played at Notre Dame, he would have probably been a first round draft pick. But because he played at Toledo, you know they he he was he was discounted. Um, and that's okay because one man's trash is another man's treasure. And I think that if, like, if like Chris says, that they use Ebron more as a um, legitimate receiving threat, more as a as a flex end, um, and now you move um, Robertson to an opportunity to be more of your inline guy, I think he really can eat with Ebron using his his speed to stretch the field and, and and open up that middle for that number two and number three tight end. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Roberts because he's someone that, that I was going to say what would be the guy I would pick. And you look, man, a guy had, what, 45 catches, 16 of which were, were touchdowns. And it always kills me when these guys look and see, oh, he, he's 270 pounds or 260 pounds, whatever he is, and say, oh, he, he's, he's a blocking tight end not realizing and having watched him and being able to tell that this is a guy that will come in and give them a legitimate threat in the red zone. So he would be the guy that I think would, would be their impact player as a rookie. But definitely keep an eye on, on T's Tabor. Just, I mean, you look at what, what he brings to the table. Obviously, that 40 time was not the fastest, and that caused him to drop. But the fact of the matter is when you turn on the tape, he was rarely beat deep. So I think that he would be another guy that would contribute to that secondary. I'm going to pick a guy that, you know, a lot of people aren't really thinking about. Um, Jalen Reeves Mabin. Uh, that's a guy that I watched a lot of film on uh, because, you know, covering the Dolphins, Dolphins were in the market for a linebacker. I watched a lot of linebackers on film. I didn't see too many linebackers with the closing burst to the football that this man has. Um, He's aggressive. He's got the athleticism uh, to, to, to cover if necessary, drop back in the, in the zones, uh, read the quarterback, find the football. Um, I'm really a fan of this kid. And um, I think that in time, uh, you're going to see him as a starter uh, for the Detroit Lions. I really like this kid a lot. He has a, a great deal of talent. And, and, yes, Brandon, I feel like they drafted him almost specifically – to play against teams like Green Bay because of his athleticism, what he can do right. helping them out in the zone. Uh, my guy, I'm going to mention a guy after this, but my guy I think will be make an impact. I think he's going to be 
a day one playmaker is Tease Tabor. If you put on the tape, he's the type of guy, he made plays off the ball, man coverage. It seemed like he was always where he needed to be. He'll come up and tackle you. He had a very complete game. And I think that, unfortunately, people got hung up on some of those, you know, pro day combine stats and the 40 time and things like that. Again, if you put his tape against virtually anyone else, it was cleaner, it was better. So he'll come in there and play. Once he actually gets to see legs, he'll play opposite of Darius Lay. And I think that'll be a very formidable duo. Uh, that'll be possibly top five really soon in the NFL. But a guy to keep in mind, because right now it looks like they're trying to slot Greg Robinson and, and repair his game to play tackle. I think Storm Norton, hmm. who was one of my top tackles, if he's able to make this roster, that'd be a smart one for you, Detroit. This is a guy who can play either tackle, but I think he's a, a, a high-quality left tackle when given the opportunity. Yeah, he graded out as my number two-rated tackle prospect in his draft class, and we all saw him at the East-West Shrine game just manhandle folks. And when you go back to his college tape and you see how Toledo ran their offense, and they ran a lot of weak side running plays, which means they're running right behind their left tackle, which means they're running right behind Storm Norton. So he will be one that I would say to keep an eye on, but I'm going to go off the grid. I am a big fan of Robert Tanyan Jr., the 6'5", 225-pound tight end wide receiver hybrid out of Indiana State. And what's interesting about his game is that he fits the mold of what they already have in Eric Ebron. Um, And with his inconsistency, I think that opens the door for a guy like Tanyan that can play that receiver, uh, tight end, tight role. He's going to give them a lot of what they thought they had in, in Joseph Fourier um, before they let him go. And Tanyan, if you go back and want to find out, obviously he was a he was the number one receiver for the Sycamores, but you go back and find out what he did against the top competition, he literally lit up the University of Minnesota. I think he had three touchdowns in that ball game against the Golden Gophers. And if they could stop the run, they would have knocked off uh, Minnesota because Tanyan was really killing their secondary. And this is a secondary that had a lot of players uh, either drafted or signed undrafted free agent contracts and that are currently on roster so tie in at 6'5 225 he's that instant red zone threat he's a guy that can win over the seam he can win outside he's one to keep an eye on uh, in, uh for this football team as well as noel thomas jr i'm a big fan of his game i saw two connecticut games live and he was their number one player they literally had the i, I would say tie for the worst quarterback situation in college football outside of um i mean heck pick a sec school that that had terrible quarterback play um, and you have it right there. But Noel Thomas had that at UConn. So those two guys, I think, on the offense can find their way into the mix as far as getting into that rotation for the uh, for like that fourth uh, receiver spot. And, and that's a great point. There's some there, there's a lot of intriguing draft picks. Um, Detroit had a really good draft, in my opinion, and because of that, they're, they've set themselves up to um, have, be be good. You know, down the line. Um, for me, though, it, it's it's still it's still baffling to me that a that a team that passes as well as Detroit passes can't seem to generate a consistent running game. Is this the year? Do you think that um, they'll be able to um, generate a consistent running game this year? I think it really comes down to health, man. If, if Amir Abdullah could hold up, yeah, they they could definitely generate a running game and also like what Theo Riddick brings just as, as a change of pace guy. So I think they could do it. But again, it's, 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 it's up to, to them to, to stay healthy. I agree. Um, it just, it, it 
definitely comes down to the health of uh, I mean, he's just up. He's healthy. Um, you know, sky's the limit for the guy. I, you know, was a big fan of his, uh, especially what I saw down there just in Mobile when he was there. Um, you know, every time that he was one-on-one with anyone, you, you're just not going to lay a finger on him. Uh, you know, he's just that quick, uh, got that type of lateral quickness, and he can contribute in the passing game. So, um, you know, it just comes down to whether or not this man is healthy or not. And so far, he has proven that he he's not durable. So, um, you know, I, I have to approach it with a level of skepticism because, you know, he has not shown you that he can remain healthy. I'm going to say no. And I'm going to say no, not because Amir Abdullah doesn't have the talent to do that. I'm going to say it doesn't seem as if the offense coordinator wants to generate a consistent run game. I think that Cooter is going to call plays that mirror a run where they might throw the uh, theoretic in space, you know, short passing game. But I don't think they're going to dedicate enough carries to actually generate a consistent run game, but they will be improved from last year's performance. And that's the biggest key. Will they call enough run plays to, to have some level of consistency because they have the backs, whether it's Riddick, uh, Abdullah, Zach Zinner is a guy that can really run the football. So they have to find ways to call those run plays because you have to create that balance. But I think when you look at Detroit, you're sort of looking at the New Orleans Saints and the coach, the coordinator wants to live vicariously through the quarterback and they want to make Matt Stafford the story. But they have to realize they got capable backs in the backfield that can get it done. Dwayne Washington is another one from Texas Tech that can get the job done. So they have the talent. It's all about whether or not they're going to call a, call enough run plays to be effective. I think that's what hurt them last season. Once Amir Abdullah got hurt, they felt as though, oh, we can't run the ball. Like, no, you still have talent back there. And I remember being at that Giants game where Zinner was having some success against that Giants defense. But, again, they scaled back a little bit, wanted to throw the football a little bit more. And granted – they were a game opponent, but they didn't find a, that level of consistency to where the Giants started to respect their play action, and that's what ultimately hurt them. I think ultimately what you look at with the Lions is a quarterback that's trying to justify a career that's probably going to go down as the most lucrative quarterback career in the history of the NFL. I mean, the amount of numbers that he's done because he was able to slip in right before that rookie wage, wage scale is ridiculous. And now he's about to re-up for the third time. Um, I think you look at Jim Bob Cooter and say he's an offensive coordinator that's not trying to necessarily win in Detroit. He's trying to look good in Detroit because he's angling for a head coaching position, whether that be an NFL head coaching position or a top-level college um, coaching position because we know he has that disposition. So I, I think that those two forces are working against Detroit, I agree with Chris. Um, is there really a dedication to running the ball? I would say no. Um, and until there's a dedication to running the ball, um, i.e. some of these other places that we've seen where they've actually taken the ball out of the quarterback's hands and, and, and allowed him to be better because he's doing less, um, I think that we're in that same boat with Detroit except – I think for Matt Stafford, if you allowed him to do less, his better would be far and away better than some of these other quarterbacks that they've taken the ball out of their hands. 
Yeah, and so looking at getting the ball back in the quarterback's hands, uh, one way that they can do that is, is with 12 personnel. We talked about Eric Ebron. We talked about Michael Roberts. So I have to ask the question, should they use more 12 personnel packages with those two tight ends that they have? I absolutely think they should. Uh, it's just too much talent going to waste there. And one thing that you cannot do uh, when you're managing the cap uh, as a general manager in the NFL, you can't pour so many resources into one position and not get production. You know, it, it, that's just, that's a mark on your resume. And, you know, people are going to look at that and say, look, you know, what, what's going on with it? Were you not meshing well with your coach? Um, you, why do you have this position so stacked and you're not getting getting anything out of it? So um, I, I think that, yes, you know, at some point, either they're going to have to utilize the personnel that they have or they're going to have to get rid of it and relieve themselves of, of some of that cap, you know, and, and get players to, to fit what the coach is trying to do. Boy, would Andy Reid love to have this because he even used 13. He'd have three tight ends out there and some packages to take advantage of the matchups. I'm going to agree with you. They need to utilize that more often. It, it also lends to positivity in the passing game to have that formation instead of just going three wide all the time. But I think they need to have Ebron also moved around a little bit more, put him on the exterior, put him in the slot, and then have him line up in line. Uh, but they need to get more guys on the field in different places and utilize the talent. They have way too much of it to not utilize it properly. I agree with Teron. I think when you look at the fact that they have two good tight ends, when you have one, you're you're pretty tough to stop. And when you have two, you're next to impossible. And they have guys that can really affect the, the passing game over the middle of the field. And a guy like Ebron that's a little bit more dynamic than Michael Roberts. So I think you have to utilize more 12 personnel to get those guys on the field. And, that way you tend to dictate coverage, and also you tend to allow yourself the ability to run the football. So I would agree with that for format because I think when he had the, the the talent to maybe spread the field through wide receivers, one tight end, um, they kind of played it differently, which didn't allow them to maximize their personnel. Now they have the personnel to run two tight end sets, and I think they have to utilize it if they want to maximize his offense. And And I would agree. I think that – they should definitely look into running more 12, even 13 personnel. Um, when you when you look at a guy like Darren Fells, who is a serviceable tight end in the NFL, um, good blocker. He can get you some. He can get you a first down. Um, you use him and Roberts as your two um, inline tight end. You allow Ebron to be able to, to to move, line up in the backfield. You can ha give you can give the impression of a heavy package. Um, and then have him burst out as a split wide receiver. Um, it, it really makes that offense more dynamic because you don't know what these three tight ends or these two tight ends are going to do. Of course, I'm a proponent of a two tight end um, offense. If you have two legitimate tight ends, there are not a lot of um, teams in the NFL that can say they have two or three legitimate tight ends. Um, Detroit's one of them, and they should definitely use it because they haven't been for years, and they've had – two and three tight ends for years now. Yeah, I, I think they should use 12 personnel for sure. That's why I asked the question. I wanted to get the feedback from you guys. But, you know, for me, it's all about getting my best guys on the field. And I think this is how you could go about doing that. And when you look at what 
uh, Robert Springs, Ebron especially, it allows you to create matchups. And then in addition to that, you have guys in Theo Riddick and, and Amir Abdullah who, who can create out of the backfield for you in the passing game. So that allows you to create another matchup. So it, it makes things best for them. And I, I would 100% use 12 personnel a lot more than the, the three receiver sets that they traditionally use. Absolutely. And now that we've just got done championing, uh, you know, using some 12 personnel and maybe getting in some ace formation a little bit, uh, I'm going to go uh, on the opposite end and say, you know, maybe we could use a little bit more uh, three wide receiver sets, but featuring a different guy. And um, would, in you guys' opinion, would it make more sense for the Lions to get Theo Riddick more time uh, in the slot? Good question, because it seemed like they tried to utilize Theoretic in that capacity last year to generate a run game of sorts with quick passes and, and uh, uh, you know, zero routes to him. Right. I would enjoy if they actually put him and Abdullah in the same backfield split and maybe they motioned him mm. or just confused teams. You know, when you don't have a consistent run game, sometimes you need to start to generate not gimmicky things, but just change the outlook and put the personnel you have in the best opportunity to succeed. And I think that having both of those guys on the field gives them that opportunity if utilized properly. I agree. And, and the thing is, when you have two backs that have the unique skill set of it, an Abdullah and a Riddick, you got to get them on the field at the same time. It's all about matchups, and it's all about finding the weakest one and taking full advantage. And Abdullah's a guy – that can do that with the running game. And Riddick is a guy that can do it in the passing game. So now you're forcing line, you're forcing that defense to be in their base personnel to keep those linebackers out there. And if they put a safety out there, to me, that's just an advantage for the offense because now you can just really go ahead and run the ball. So Theo Riddick, I think, has to find a way to stay on the field uh, for Detroit because he does so much uh, for their offense on both ends, you know, as a receiver and as also as a runner. So, Maybe if they don't go 12 personnel, if they want to keep two receivers and two backs and one tight end, that's a way they can go about it. It just makes sure both backs don't mind blocking for each other because that's the only way uh, dual backs can work. Um, if you're running east and west or north and south, both backs have to be willing to get in there and, and throw a lead block. If that's the case, then that's your personnel you go with. I can definitely see them using a 21 personnel that, that featured on Riddick and Abdullah in the backfield and, and Ebron is tight end, and then all of a sudden breaking the huddle and lining up two by two split, um, you know, split receivers with Riddick in one slot and Ebron in the other slot. Um, I think that that is something that's really dangerous because now you've got guys who can get the you can get the ball in their hands really quick, and whether it's Riddick and his ability to slip, um, slip tackles, um, and and be an effective um, run after the catch guy. Um, Golden Tate, a great run after the catch guy because he's got running back background. Um, Ebron is a big, fast guy that if he catches it and gets ahead of steam, he's hard to bring down. Um, you know, and then obviously Abdullah out of the backfield on the swing or or or, or a middle screen or um, a, a, a quick arrow route. That the dynamics that you're able to create when you tell a defense, "Hey, this is a running." personnel grouping and then we come out and, and throw forward and five wide receivers at you that's a that's a very dangerous thing yeah i always like when you have guys whether it be tight ends or running backs that 
will allow you to to create those matchups. And you look at Theoretic, if they could have those type of sets, and this is something that we're seeing the Eagles do with Donnell Pumphrey and uh, Darren Sproles, where they have them both in the same package, and they're motioning um, Pumphrey into the slot. They're also motioning him outside, making a linebacker walk out and cover him on that outside, and that's a mismatch. And you could do just the same, with, even to a, a higher degree, with, with Theo Reddick. So I think they should get him time in the slot, but they should also look at motioning him outside and just allowing themselves to, to kind of take advantage of what the defense gives them. So uh, that's one way that they could do it. Yeah, uh, Chris, I think you made a, a great point uh, when you're talking about getting – Theo Riddick and Amir Abdullah on the field at the same time. And if you get two guys like that playing off of each other, the defense is going to have a very difficult time matching up. Uh, you know, it's going to be a nightmare all day long, you know, because you've got to match up against these two very shifty guys, you know, and depending upon the way the, the defense comes out of there personnel wise, you're either going to be able to run the ball all day long or if they come out base, you can, you know, throw the ball on them. So you're dictating to the defense and um, I think that that's a big reason as to why um, the Lions should definitely get Theo Riddick a little bit more involved. And uh, that's just the guy you want on the football field, uh, irrespective of who's at the running back position. You just got to make sure that, you know, a guy like that that has that type of vers versatility remains on the field. And one thing we do know is that a guy like Jim Caldwell will put the best personnel out there. And, and shout out to Jim Caldwell because people wanted to get him fired after – the 2015 season as if he didn't go 11 and five in 2014. He has been a really good coach over the course of his career. He had the Colts in the Super Bowl and has the Lions two winning seasons out of three years. And he went seven and nine in between. So he's a really good coach, has a really good football team and shout out to him for, for getting this team back into the playoffs uh, last year and doing a great job as far as coaching up that personnel. So teams, you know, people try to run him off quickly uh, when he didn't deserve it. So with that said, going around the room, starting with you, Gene, where do you have the Lions finishing in the NFC North? I have the Lions finishing second. I don't think they're going to have enough to overcome Green Bay, but I think it'll be a really tight race, um, a three-team a three -team race um, between Green Bay, um, Detroit coming in second, and then um, Minnesota coming in third. Yeah, I have them coming in second as well. I think, like we we said in a previous podcast, you know, talking about the actually in, in this podcast, you know, talking about their ability to compete. I think they're stacked offensively, they're stacked defensively as well, to where they could they could run with the Packers, but they'll fall short. But that being said, they're a better team than the other teams in in this uh, division. So I have them at, at second place. I think that's a reasonable option for them. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that they're going to be second place in that division. Um, you know, I, I see you know the Vikings maybe nipping at their heels a little bit, but I think they'll finish the uh, the season uh, in second place in the division. I actually have them finishing third in the division. That's what I talked about earlier. I think that they're going to be competitive within single digits in 14 or 15 of their 16 games this year. But some of the balls bounced their way in 2016, and it, it tends to have a way of swinging back the opposite direction the following season. So I think they'll finish right behind – they'll finish in third place in this particular year. Yeah, so once again, it should be an interest, interesting uh, year in the NFC North, very competitive division. So that's it for this episode of the Football Cypher. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating because you like the analysis that we just gave you. So for Chris, Gene, Brandon, and Teron, 
I'm Emory Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and this has been the Football Cypher on the Football Game Plan Radio Network. <laughs>